Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Greatest Gift, Part 2, Purity of Gold, recorded Sunday, December 11th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Parker with today's message. I love Christmas time. Seriously, it's the best time of the year. Not only do you have Thanksgiving, but my birthday is always around Thanksgiving. I don't know how it exactly works. It's always moving, but I don't do the math. But then I, I get that meal, and then I get to open presents, and then we go into the Christmas season. It's the best time of the year. The rest of the year is stinking boring, probably when your birthdays are. <laughs> but it, I'm living right now. This is great. And I think, I think it is a great way to kick off the Christmas season, to get up on your roof, dangle beyond safety, and put Christmas lights on your house. I really, I think it is. It is great. I love that Jim Gaffigan joke where he's like, Christmas sounds like the behavior of a drunk man. And he goes, take these lights, put them out there. Cut down those trees, bring them in here. (laughs) I love it. I really do think that it's a great time of year. About four years ago, Jane and I were talking with some friends. We were hanging out, talking about Christmas lights, all this stuff. And I was like, well, at least I'm not one of those idiots that gets up on the roof, has to put the lights out and all that stuff. Jane doesn't even want them anyways. And she, real quiet and real cute, goes, I've always wanted lights on our house. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Are you serious? You never asked. Well, you never told me. (laughs) And so a few years go by and, you know, just let it marinate. Wives, you know, you have to do this sometimes. You know, you drop the idea, you let it marinate. Until your husband comes in and goes, you know what I think would be a pretty good idea? And you're like, yeah, I think that would be a pretty good idea. <laughs> That's a really good idea. Don't throw any elbows, I know. So, so I'm up here on my house. Kelly Sajovic comes over to teach me how to do it. She does this stuff for fun. I don't know if she has like a death wish or <laughs> just wants like cheap thrills or something. And I'm making my way up the ladder. I'm like, Kelly, I'm like 70 to 75% terrified of heights. And she's just climbing. she goes, that's fine, just don't fall. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> But it's a great way to start the Christmas season because it demands that you think of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus because when you're on the peak of your house, you're wondering if you're going to meet him today, (laughs) you know? You're looking down, you're like, get you thinking. And you would laugh, my house is not tall at all. Like the highest peak is as tall as a suburban. I'm just like a wimp. (laughs) We had this interesting comparison that we started last week with the Magi and Herod. And to get everyone up to speed, The Magi were royal astrologers from a distant land who had been studying the signs of the times and knew when the king of the Jews was going to arrive, a star would arrive also, and it would fulfill the prophecies that they had studied. Well, it happened, and it blew them away, and it drew them out of their man-made royal courts up on high, and it took them on this journey to find this lowly, humble new king. And on the way, they ran into Herod. He was the Roman ruler in the area of the time. And he probably saw them coming with gifts and was like, oh, yeah, more fans. Herod had a lot of fans. His fans were the kind of fans that if you weren't Herod fans, he'd kill you. So very loyal fan base on that. And and they came in, and they were like, we're here to find the king of the Jews. And Herod at the time, he was ruling over the Jewish people, so he liked to say, self-proclaimed, I am the king of the Jews. Well, when he found out they weren't talking about him... You can imagine how awkward that moment was. (laughs) Kill them, you know, but he didn't kill them. So he gets his people together, the same kind of religious elite that would later kill Jesus, and they kind of found out the prophecies, mapped out where this was going to happen, got a rough plan. 
And the Magi came back, and he goes, you know what? Why don't you guys go find him? You go journey out there. When you find him, you let me know where he is, because I want to kill <laughs> I mean worship. I want to worship him, too. Had to plan to kill him all along. And they go, and they follow the star until it led them to Jesus. They finally find Jesus in a humble place. First, they were in this man-made palace of ego, and it took them to this humble, lowly servant king. And they were overwhelmed. In fact, Scripture said they were overjoyed, full of joy. And they gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the gold is important. This wasn't just scrap gold. This was royal gold. It was pure. It had been put under intense heat and pressure in the crucible, in the furnace, and to make this royal, pure gold. And it represented Jesus' pure deity and his pure spirit. And they bowed and they worshipped him. And in a dream, they were warned not to go back that way. And so they went home a different route. And when Herod found out that they bailed on him, he was so mad that he had every two-year-old boy and younger slaughtered in that area where Jesus was born. How's that for some Christmas drama, you know? Not quite a hallmark plot line. But I suppose it could be if when the Magi got back, his high school sweetheart, Maggie, was back in town. And, you know, he's been investing in this relationship with Tiffany, and she just wants him for his money. But they both get put on a Christmas tree decorating competition committee, and it's in the week. Like, they've got a deadline. And so they got to work together, but they start, I can barely get through this. God, I'm so glad you're in this with me. They, but the, through arguing and bickering, Maggie and Magi figure out that their old relationship and breakup was just completely on a misunderstanding, and it feels so right. Because Magi and Tiffany are only dating because Tiffany only wants Magi for his money, and everybody knows it, but Maggie, oh. She sees something in Magi, a, a beautiful character and nobility that she wants. And in the end, they get back together. <laughs> you know, that's good. I think some of you are more interested in that than the sermon today. So if you, get, if you ever see that one, you know where you found it. You know where you heard it first. Maybe more of a Christmas ending there for you. The Magi chose a path of humility, and Herod chose this path of unleashed pride. Both sought Jesus, one to worship him, and one to silence him. Both were seeking some sort of joy. One found it, and one was robbed of it. The Magi were overjoyed when they saw the star, overjoyed when they were with Jesus. And I think that we all want that at the heart of Christmas. We want to feel overjoyed. We want to feel joy. We need joy. It makes life worth living. But when we look at Herod, we see that his joy was robbed his entire life by his pride. This was the guy that was so paranoid with his status that he had a few of his sons killed just on the hunch that they wanted his throne. It's like the legend goes that Caesar Augustus quipped about him and said, I would rather be one of Herod's pigs than his sons. And this was the guy that was just so full of himself that on his deathbed, his final wish was that other distinguished men from the area would come next to his bed and when he dies, those men would be put to death to fabricate like this moment of grief to get the attention that he wanted. This was the guy who, who had this idea that every family that he ruled over should at least have one person put to death when he dies so everyone can personally feel the pain of losing Herod. And he did all of this because he was just so insecure that no one really liked him. Yikes. But at least you're not like Herod. At least I'm not that prideful, you know. Maybe. Maybe. 
but thinking of this time of year and in life as well, we want joy, but it's always stolen by pride. Pride says these things. I feel like it's not enough for me. I feel like I'm not enough for me. I feel like they are not enough for me. Pride steals our joy. It always has and it always will. And I'm not talking about the like proud of your kid for making the right decision kind of pride. I'm talking about the self-centered, self-seeking at the expense of everybody else yucky pride. And it's not just a you problem, it's a human problem. It's been a problem since the beginning. Angels fell because of pride. Adam and Eve brought sin into the world because of pride. The religious elite put Jesus on a cross because of pride. C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, the Christians are right. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. And here's where pride takes the cake, too. It's not like just something that you can get less of or like have less of. Self cannot drive out self. You see the issue? It's like, I'm prideful. Oh, I will become less prideful. I'm prideful. I will help myself become less prideful. You need like rescued from this. You need delivered. You need an intervention in order to get out of this crazy circle of pride. And how could it work in your life? Like an actual big difference like that could even start today. Will you look at the humility of the Magi? The scripture says that with, with pride comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And so what was their wisdom? It was this. They turned their attention from the false kings, from the pretend kings, from the self-made kings, and they turned their attention to the true king. And then they found themselves far from their high status in their royal courts, and they, they humbled themselves to the point that they were with Jesus, and they were overjoyed. Like their heart was drawn to the beauty of the humility of Jesus, let our hearts be drawn to the beauty of the humility of Jesus. It is the, the dark night of pride is happening, but it is the star that drives us to joy. Jesus' humility is the star in the dark night of pride that drives us back, that brings us back to joy. Humility restores the joy, and there's no other that could restore us to that humility other than the pioneer and perfecter of it. It's Jesus. And let's just take a moment to just take in the humility of who Jesus was and what he did and what he said and how he lived. Here he was. He was the alpha and the omega. He was the beginning and the end. John chapter 1 said this about him. In the beginning was the word. It's referring to Jesus when it says the word. And the word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, like life itself. And that life was the light of all mankind. Just pure majesty, pure royalty, the kingship of Jesus. All that majesty, and what did he do? This is Philippians chapter two. In your relationships with one another, talking about the church, people who would be sitting here today, have the same mindset as Christ. Okay, so what was he all about? Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he didn't take his high status and use it for himself. Rather, he made himself nothing 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He made himself nothing. And that's so hard for us to imagine in our culture that is like self is everything. That's all we get told all the time. I listen to podcasts all the time. I subscribe to like 50 podcasts, okay? And so uh, I, I searched on there the word humility just as I was like working on this message and stuff. And I listen to all sorts of stuff. I mean, I mean it was like uh, sermons, uh, youth ministry stuff, wellness stuff, leadership stuff. I search humility, I get four. Not four shows, four episodes. I search success, I can't stop scrolling. I get tired of scrolling, it's done. That's just our world. That's all we get. There are a lot of powerful ways to think about what humility is and what it isn't. And I'll tell you that humility isn't just thinking that you're a piece of trash. That's kind of the Nebraskan version of humility. It's like, well, I'm nobody to nothing to nobody to no one, you know? It's like, okay, but if that was true, you wouldn't be worth saving. And God saw you worth saving, okay? You know, you're like a self that's purely occupied on its sin can't be occupied fully with God. That doesn't work that way. C.S. Lewis has a quote that I think gets a little closer. It's popular. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Okay, I like that. It's really good. But here's one that I think goes a little bit farther to the true humility of Jesus. This is Martin Luther. He says, God created the world out of nothing. And as long as we are nothing, God can make something out of us. That's good. That's the humility of Jesus. And Jesus made himself nothing so God could make everything out of him. And we have to follow the same path of becoming nothing. It is absolutely required for pure humility. And Jesus puts it like this in chapter 16 of Matthew. If you want to be my follower, you've got to take up your own way. You've got to give it up. And then you got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. You're going to find it there. And what is it to benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul, Herod? I added the Herod part, but you understand where I'm going with this. And then you let the joy return to you. This is Hebrews chapter 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Seeing the architect of it and the one who's going to coach us through it. Who's going to be with us the whole way. It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He humbled himself out of joy. Scorned at shame. Sat at the right hand of God. Joy was the result of his humility. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. That's not my point today. Someone asked me literally last week, if I follow Jesus, what is it going to cost me? What a wise question. Who builds a tower without counting its cost? It was a 16-year-old. And I couldn't lie to him. I said, everything. But in becoming nothing, everything is restored to you. And when you become nothing, God can make something out of you. Humble yourself and let God do the purifying. Admit that you need help and then receive the help. That gift of gold that the Magi brought is so powerful. It's this image of the refining that our own hearts require in order to become humble again. 
just briefly, I mean like the tales of my humblings could take an entire sermon series. I just like, I picked one, okay, for you. It was around five years ago, I looked at the landscape of my life. I've kind of told pieces of this story, but I looked at the landscape of my life and I was just like, I don't like anything I see. Like professionally, personally, spiritually, I'm just like a wreck. I'm a boy, you know? So what am I going to do about that? And so my only mindset was like, okay, I can make myself something and I got to go on that path with 100% effort. It's like this pilgrimage, this project self thing that took all my attention and my creativity. It was just me, 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 me. And it's like, no matter what you do, it's your career, your education, your football team, like your stay-at-home parenting, whatever it is, there's always seems to be this gap between you and the people who get more. And whatever more is, is like more attention, more money, more fame, I don't know. There's always this gap. Like even Mark told me, he goes, do you know how hard it is to be a drummer during the Christmas season being compared to the little drummer boy? And I go, that's exactly what I'm preaching on today. (laughs) Sorry, so just like, you know, give give him some love on this next song, okay? (laughs) There always seems to be someone who's just like above. And the only way that we try to get there is just like to ascend to it. And when I was coming into ministry, like I would see these preachers, these like CEO founders, New York Times best-selling author at the conference. And I was like, that's it, I'll be them. And like that was my highest sight, you know. But I had this huge problem. I had a huge problem. There was this huge gap between who I was and who they were. Not even like talent and blessedness and anointing and all that kind of stuff, but just like that's not the person I am. That's not how I'm wired. That's not how God is using me. That's not where God placed me. But I was obsessed with it. I insisted on trying to like span this gap. And the only way, this is my theory, the only way you can get to where you are to where they are is pride. It's just like faking it till you make it and thinking higher of yourself and making everybody think that you are too. And you see them up top and you're not there. And so you have to pretend to yourself and to everyone else around you that you are. And it just absolutely sucks the ever-living joy out of you. Because that same pride that you're trying to span that gap with is sucking the life out of you and showing you every single day that you're not enough, it's not enough, they're not enough. And I didn't like really know that I was doing this but I was like getting really antsy that I wanted this success and this recognition so I could feel okay with myself. I'm just being honest. I know that when I'm honest up here, it helps you be honest with yourself. So hopefully you're doing a little digging here. And I went on this youth minister's retreat and I just had a ton of alone time with God. And a lot of my prayers were like, God, I want, why aren't you giving me? And why don't I get it yet? Those were my prayers. Kind of bitter, but more just void of any joy or gratitude. You know, maybe you know some people like that. Kind of bitter, but more just void of any joy or gratitude. Maybe that's the the bio on your social media. You know, kind of bitter, but just more void of joy or gratitude. (laughs) My pride that was spanning the gap was doing all the talking to God. I wasn't measuring myself correctly, you see. And one evening they shared this message. It was really quite like this one. It was like the inspiration for today's message. And they pointed out our need for humility, like a bunch of youth ministers in the room. And that all you want is this praise from people, yet Jesus, that you say you follow, isn't seeking any praise from man. He's only seeking praise from God the Father. And all these superstars that you want to be like in your life too, they pointed out that Jesus says in John chapter 5, to the people who are trying to span that gap, Jesus goes, oh, I know you. I know the way you work. 
someone comes in their own name and you act like they're your hero and you latch onto them for dear life. Yet I come in the name of God the Father Almighty and you ignore me. I know you. I know you're kind. And it like just hit me. Like all these big superstars I wanted to be like. I wanted to be them just so my pride could be fed. It had nothing to do with following Jesus. And he pointed out how Paul started his letters in the New Testament. If anyone had the right to brag, it was this guy. If there was anyone who's got more that I should be comparing myself to, it's this guy. Like, he is one of the greatest writers and communicators of all time. And they pointed out, does he start his letters like this? Yo, Pastor Paul, CEO and founder of church as we know it. No. He does this. He goes, hi, it's Brother Paul. I'm a servant to Christ, and I'm a servant of yours. That's how he starts his letters. And essentially putting himself lower than anybody who would ever read that letter ever. Go read his stuff. The dude was content. The guy had joy that could not be taken away. And just something clicked in me. It's like, I'm not called to be everything to everybody. I'm not called to be everything to me. My pride can never deliver that anyways. I'm called to be a humble servant, to make myself nothing so that God can make something out of me. Any good in my life would come from that, not my pride. Oh, and the joy it restored to me. Like it finally made sense again why Jesus says, come to me. Like I'm gentle and humble in heart. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke did not feel easy or light when I'm trying to be all these other people. But all of a sudden, when I met Jesus in his humility, ah, it was easy and light again. Jesus said, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve others, to give my life a ransom for anybody and everybody. I was finally in my right place. I was finally measuring myself correctly again. And just a humble servant. It's like, I can do that. I can do that every day of my life for my kids, for my wife, for my church, for my friends. I can be a servant. Becoming nothing so that God can make something out of me. And in the pressures of life, instead of fighting and screaming for my pride's way through it, I just lowered myself as God rushed in and refined me. Here's the path to a higher life. Down, lower, lower down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place of the valleys. So the moment God finds men abased and empty, his glory and power flow into exalt and to bless. Joy restored. Humility is like this wormhole through the dimensions of your pride, you guys. And scripture's been trying to show us this the whole time. Humility is the shortcut, and truly, it's like the only way through your residual and collateral damage of your pride. The mountain, the ugly mountain that is your pride. I was thinking about this. It's like the Eisenhower Tunnel in Colorado. It's like your pride is this huge mountain that is on the path of where God wants to take you, smack dab in the middle of it, and then you see this little tunnel, and it looks kind of small and dark, and scary, but there's light on the other side. You could try to move the mountain. Or you could just take a path of humility and walk right through it. 
Yeah, it might be scary. Yeah, it might hurt. Yeah, the pressure and the temperature might change, but what's on the other side, the mountain behind you and a new life before you? You saw this in baptism. A man admitting, I'm going to become nothing so that God can make something out of me. And in humility, do you think he made all his pride right before he got in that water? Do you think he made all his sins right, said all the sorries that he possibly could? Did he move the mountain? Probably not. I knew Jesus. He was very precious to my soul. But I found something in me that would not keep sweet and patient and kind. And I did what I could to keep it down, but it was still there. Talking about pride. I besought Jesus to do something for me. I asked for help. And when I gave him my will, when I became nothing, he came to my heart and took out all that would be, not be sweet, all that would not be kind, all that would not be patient, and he shut the door. You need joy. And pride robs you of any of it. Jesus inspires you to a different, humble way of living. And you let God refine your impurities. And you just focus on becoming nothing and God will make something out of you. As joy returns to you. This Christmas, let the star that draws you down from your high place of pride out into a journey of lowly humility be the majesty of Jesus our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, whose man's pride crucified, but God's love raised from the dead to pour out mercy and forgiveness so that a joy everlasting could be yours forevermore. Amen. So there it is, Jesus and his humility brings us the gift of humility. When we fix our eyes on him, a humility is brought to us that restores our joy. Humility is the greatest gift to receive, but it's also the greatest gift to give. And I think of the Magi bringing these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I imagine the scene in Mary's mind that she's like, I rode on a donkey to give birth in a manger surrounded by livestock, and now I got a little boy running around this house, finally something that smells good around here. <laughs> These gifts meant something. And I was just thinking of two things, and I had this on my mind this week, and I think this would be just like a pretty easy first step into humility that you could do. I want you, for the rest of the month, if you'd be willing to do this, if the game that we're going to play is going to happen, you might as well do it. To say hi to people in public that you have written off as not worthy to say hi to. Because that has to do with your heart. That hasn't, doesn't have to do with anything else in your world. I think there's just these people, whether they're different from us, they look different, they speak a different language, uh, they're from a different socioeconomic status, and we just write them off. Like, they are not worth saying hello to. There's something in your heart about that. And I'm not asking for anything crazy. I'll give you the example. You can copy me. You ready for this? Okay, here's the example. Hello. And you just keep walking. But, but give the gift of humility. You know what I'm saying? Like acknowledge the other human and put yourself lower to say, no, I will be the one to say hello first. Maybe it'll do something in your heart. 
Maybe it'll do something in their heart. Think about that gift that you could give someone. How good does it feel to be noticed in public? And maybe they need that. You could communicate the love of God just by saying hello. Second, would you give generously this Christmas season? We've got our eyes set on a strong, strong boost to this school that we're building in Kenya for those kiddos and for that community. It means everything to them over there. And then also, right here in our own community, we see the dire need, honestly, it's a problem, of the lack of childcare and after-school program care that we have in our community. And we wanna help parents so bad, but we need help bringing up scholarships for students to be in Connect. And so your year in giving, not, not only will it end strong, but those are the things that we got our crosshairs on, like that's where we wanna help, this next generation, these parents, these communities, these kiddos. So. As you go today, Merry Christmas to you. Say hello to somebody, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.